Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Unhappy Hour, the show where we bitch about all the things we love to hate every single week. I'm your host, Matt Bellisai. I'm back in the studio sitting right across from my healed, uh, recovered from COVID (laughs) co-host and producer, Barry Finkel. Hi, Barry. Hi, Matt. I'm so glad to be breathing the same air as you again. I know. Until the next thing that gets us both sick. I know. I did tweak my back already. The first day back at the gym, I tweaked it and I was like, oh, but it's okay. It's okay. I'm here. We're we're all right. All right, coming up today, we're going to kick things off with a little ranting, and then we got Worst Things First, where I shout about the stupidest, most ridiculous worst news of the week, and then we're diving deep into what people want you to believe is self-care, but is actually torture, okay? Yeah, that's that's right, we're bitching about relaxing, uh, because there is truly nothing that we cannot enjoy on this podcast. No. I will bitch about everything that brings me joy. I don't give a shit! And finally, we'll get into all the good stuff that makes the bad shit go down easier with our chasers. See, so, we, get, we get positive. We get positive on the show. Yeah, we'll have a little dose of positive at the end. <laughs> so let's get into it. Let's do it. Let's start the show. All right. Well, we're back in the studio. We're had a little bit of a pubescent uh, crack in your voice there. <laughs> Listen, I once again drank last night. Surprise, surprise. Not only that, but I had... Someone convinced me it would be a good idea to just get like a vodka and water. That's not not a cocktail. (laughs) That's not a cocktail. That's watered down vodka. The bartender made it unquestioningly. He did not even... it, It didn't blink... I mean, it was a gay bar, so I feel like they're just used to alcoholics. <laughs> yeah, jeez, that is like a deeply upsetting order. <laughs> to be fair, uh-huh. it actually was effective in slowing me down. I think that okay. was the point was it's like order something that is so disgusting that there's no way you're just going to sip it down because you're there's you have to you uh, you have to take your time with that. And it worked. Wow. But I had that and then I had another vodka soda and I did have a lemon drop. OK, shot. so it didn't work, actually. <laughs> it could have been way worse as well. I'm saying but Mm -hmm. then it was basically midnight and everybody had almost left and then there was a group there that was like no get another get another so in my head I was like you know what a good like end of the night drink is just a full cup of rosé Matthew, Matthew, you need to get it together. Luckily, I was like, I'm not finishing this class because that motherfucker filled it to the brim. That's just all bad ideas. I will say, like, overall, I feel like my choices weren't horrible in that I do think. The justification that you are able to pull out of that ass. I do think I, um, the vodka and water, I probably will do again. For the sole purpose of the fact that it was so disgusting and that it did slow me down. All right. Yeah. And I'm realizing in my old age that I do need drinks that are high volume and that I can drink slowly. Right. Because I famously will suck down whatever is in front of me, Mm -hmm. especially at a gay bar. (laughs) 
Anyway, what's your gripe of the week? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I that love how we just launch in. We just, just launch right in. Yeah. Um, my gripe of the week is about movie trailers. Okay. Mm-hmm. Movie trailers are deceptive. Here's what happened. Yeah. What? Uh, there's an example, clearly. Yeah. Alex and I, it was like our last night of COVID quarantine. And uh-huh. we were like, let's just have a fun little movie night. Let's take a little edible, have a little movie night. It's going to be great. There's a foreign comedy that we have been looking forward to watching for a while based off of a very funny trailer that was edited incredibly. And we were like, this tone, this pace is exactly what we're trying to go for tonight. The fact that it's foreign language and has subtitles might be a bit of an issue for the edible. But you know what? Let's just try it. Let's go for it. Yeah. It was the biggest buzzkill movie ever. It was not a comedy. It was not fast-paced. It was essentially about why Romanian culture is deeply upsetting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was it was really like we thought that it was a story of Okay, the movie is called Bad Luck Banging. It seemed like the story was going to be about a high school teacher at a private prep school who makes a sex take with her husband. Uh And then it's like, what happens after that? And like the parents getting upset about it. And like, you know, and we were like, okay, this seems like interesting, but funny and all this stuff. And then it ended up just being like, here's why Romania, the country hates women and also Jews. (laughs) It was like so the biggest buzzkill. It was like felt like the longest movie ever. I, in another context, maybe would have enjoyed it as, like, a thinker. Sure. But in the context of this trailer looks funny, we're going to have a fun movie night, eat an edible and watch a comedy, and then it ends up being nothing like the trailer. It's like, how mm-hmm. how are you doing? This is false advertising. We should be able to sue. We should be able to get free popcorn for life. Even though we watched it at home, I still think, like, the producers of that movie should be sending me popcorn. Right. Sure, sure, sure. sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, famously, I'll start a sentence with, not to victim blame, but (laughs) (laughs) if I were high, I don't know if I would go with a Romanian foreign film. Alex had wanted to see it for a while. I wanted to watch the movie Limitless, which... Yeah. yeah. Is that the one where the guy is limitless? Yeah. It's young Bradley Cooper. and he's Yeah. I had never seen that movie, and I was like, that's the vibe I want. By the way, that was a quote from Phyllis from The Office, obviously. I I absolutely (laughs) missed it, but... um, They watched that movie on a bus, and she's like, Limitless, is that the one where the guy is limitless? (laughs) (laughs) Love Phyllis. Uh, Um... But no, instead we watched Bad Luck Banging or Looney Porn is the full title. Mm. Um, And I just I think there are also so many times where a trailer just ends up being better than the movie. Yeah. And other times where a trailer tells you exactly what happens, gives you like the biggest, most important scenes in the movie in the trailer. And it's like, what are we doing? What are we doing with trailers? Yeah. The point is a trailer kind of should spoil the movie a little bit. A little bit. Because you should know what you're expecting. Yeah. Yeah. The only time I want to be deceived by a trailer is what happened with Barb and Star. <laughs> yes, because yes. Because that, that trailer doesn't even scratch the surface of what that film is. Right. But it is a thing of beauty. The number of people also, this will be my rant, the number of people still in June Pride Month 2022 who have not seen the film Barb and Star that has famously been out on Hulu for two years sickens me. We need to host a live rowdy viewing at a Alamo Barman's. Draft House. Yes. Yeah, Please, I'll fucking do it. Alamo, call us. Like, I, that's all I want is to do that, is to host that. We need to get people to see that movie. Yeah. My gripe. Yeah. What's your gripe other than um, your terrible alcohol decisions? Well, this will also be a bad decision. I realize I have a series <laughs> of really poor decisions lately, um, but I, I forgot to mention this on the pod, this story. Um I went to an event a few weeks ago at Jacob's Pickles Uh, in New York City. Wonderful restaurant, wonderful establishment Mm -hmm. on the Upper West Side. They have amazing biscuits. It's like kind of Americana, Southern pancakes and waffles. Delicious. Chicken and their genre is delicious. Yeah, their biscuits are so good. All of it, and they make pickles. They were doing a collaboration with Magnolia Bakery. Famously, they make the banana pudding that everybody Mm -hmm. loves. And so they had this dish that they're adding to their menu 
I don't know for how long or if it's just a limited time thing. They do fried chicken and pancakes, but then in between the pancakes, they like put entire dollops of the banana pudding. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was (laughs) amazing. And so I went with my friend and beforehand we were like, I mean, obviously we need to take like an edible before we go. Yeah. Just a little bit. And I sort of expected that we would, like, go and they would kind of serve it to us and we'd be sitting at a table. No, it was like a full-blown, like, event. Right. Like Uh, like a step and repeat? Not quite. But basically. Yeah. It was like the whole back area of the restaurant was closed off. There were all of these kind of influencer people invited. The, like, CEO of Magnolia Bakery there. The titular Jacob of Jacob's Pickles was there. I did not know who he was. And I introduced myself and I was like, so what do you do? And he was like, (laughs) I'm Jacob. (laughs) I was like, oh, fuck. (laughs) Um. My friend and I split an edible beforehand, and I normally would do, like, five milligrams, ten milligrams at the most if I want to have, like, a solid night. I don't know why I did not question how much was in it. Every time we've split one before, it has been a very small amount. Right. When I tell you I met God that night. And And not not, in a good way. Not (laughs) Not. in a good way. Absolutely not. I freaked the fuck out. It was so, so bad. I got some alarming texts. I was legitimately worried about you. I was literally like nonverbal. My body would not work. It turns out we split a 40 milligram uh, Why even make an edible of that amount? It's too much. It's entirely too much. I truly broke out into like a cold sweat. I would wipe my forehead and it would be like a water, like just immediate, (laughs) immediate waterfall. I was, I was, I was truly seeping through multiple layers. (laughs) And the worst of it was like, I was like, we need to leave. I, I cannot be here anymore. This is embarrassing. But also I'm dreading leaving because I know I'm going to have to say goodbye. Yeah. I'm going to have to get up and look this man in the face and say, thank you for letting me into your restaurant. Thank you for all your pickles. When I cannot form a single sentence. (laughs) And I like thought for a second that it had been laced with something else. It was like, there's no way that was weed. I feel like that was something else. And then it turns out, no, it was just a fuck ton. (laughs) So I learned my lesson. Uh Uh-huh. Do not just unquestioningly take half of an edible without confirming at least thrice how long how much is in it <laughs> and um i think i should have learned my lesson a long time ago not to take an edible or do any type of weed product before going to a public event yeah um i remember when we did that and then went to the yeah. screening of the hitman's wife's bodyguard exactly it's never once worked out no for me. um so i learned my lesson there um, yeah so uh, in conclusion if you are listening to this and are concerned for my health and are worried about the choices that i'm making at least understand that in this case i will not be repeating it mm-hmm. even though famously i just repeated it <laughs> <laughs> yeah to be clear this story happened before the kickball drinking story correct yes mm-hmm. anyway <laughs> I'm doing great. Um, My breathing is like labored today. I'm like losing my voice. (laughs) But it's going great. Before we get to our headlines, we need to hear what some of our listeners have been calling into the rant hotline about. Let's hear it. Hi, Matt and Barry. Um, I am drunk. Yes. And my name is Kelly. (laughs) I'm calling because I just want to tell you the one thing that I hate that every other fucking bitch seems to love and that is Aperol spritzes you cannot convince me that an Aperol spritz is a delicious beverage that tastes like absolute dog shit (laughs) and I'm tired of seeing it I'm tired of bitches being like "Mm, it's spritz season like you don't like that drink you are lying to all of Instagram (laughs) No one likes Aperol. Everyone is just pretending. That's all. Okay, bye. (laughs) Wow. Wow, Kelly. Okay, I have thoughts. Yeah. My initial reaction is, how dare you? I hope you die. That is my... That is my initial reaction, but that, again, is just coming from my id. Um, (laughs) When I think about it a little bit more... Listen, I do kind of have to agree that I don't love the taste of an Aperol spritz. No, I love the aesthetic. Yeah, it is like 
a vibe. It's kind of like there's just an energy of yeah. an Aperol spritz. I love the bubbles. I love, you know, the like mixing of just two or three things and you've right. got like a lovely little summer drink. That is also kind of the mystique of the Aperol spritz is that nobody really knows what's in it. Right. Like what is if spritz? You, if you had to kind of list the ingredients, you couldn't. Mm-mm. But yeah, it's not my favorite drink. No. But have I drank many of them in the past month? Yeah. Especially when I was in Italy. That was like everyone gets spritzes all the time. Also, yeah, it's like the perfect color for a summer drink. It's the per- it's all about the aesthetic. It's beautiful. And you usually get like a little orange slice in yeah. it. Then it's like, oh, I'm getting citrus. I'm vitamin C. I'm feeling good. I'm right, feeling fresh. Right. You're like, this funky. is a supplement. Right. It's basically emergency. Yeah. It's like I can breathe just raw faced on an airplane and not get sick. Yeah. That is medically true also. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yes. But I have recently converted, though, to... A limoncello spritz. Oh, see, that's, I was going to say, the spritz part of an Aperol spritz is not what I have issue with. It's It's the the Aperol. Aperol. Yeah. And so, like, if we can combine spritz with something else, limoncello, that is brilliant. I'm absolutely on board for that. I thought I was scarred from drinking limoncello in Italy because I did have, it's like just pure sugar. And if you just drink a lot of limoncello on its own, it's not great. You're not going to feel great and Mm -hmm. you will hope for death. But if you, (laughs) if you make a limoncello spritz, it's literally just like a shot of limoncello a shot or two of like Prosecco and then you fill it with like soda water or seltzer. Yeah, no, that sounds delicious. delicious. Let's make that the drink of the summer. I brought it to a party recently and I loved it. Oh, good. I can't speak for anybody else because I had too much of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. The, the roller coaster we have gone on in the intro alone. What I am learning um, about myself is uh-huh. that because I recently changed my medication um, and I'm not really supposed to drink on this medication, uh-huh. that is why it only takes a couple of drinks and then it mixes together and it's like, you know, not a great combination. Right, 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 right. Has it stopped me? Absolutely no. not. <laughs> That's why I like that you keep saying that you're learning from these mistakes. And I think it's like you're observing these mistakes. Sure, I'm aware of them. Yeah. I'm not in denial about them. Right. You're also not acting I do on think changing them. <laughs> they are slightly improved. Every time is trial and error, and mm. mostly error, I would say. Yeah. Um, but we're slowly narrowing down what I am capable of taking in. Right. It's and like Whole30, but for vices. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then I'll start reintroducing a lot of the poison. Right. And I hope for the best. There it is. Yeah. I mean, the thing about a spritz that I do like, though, is it is supposed to be like a relatively low alcohol drink. Yeah. Yeah. Like a seltzer thing. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Sounds great. Let's do it. Overall, spritzes, yes. Yeah. Aperol, questionable. Yeah. Aperol spritz, out of here. Lemoncello yeah. spritz, come on in. Trend anyway. alert. <laughs> You you heard it here first. <laughs> um, anyway, that's it for our gripes. Now, let's get to our headlines. All right. Worst things first. Let's shout about the worst news of the week. And we, we haven't done worst things first in a while, yeah. actually. So we got some stuff to chat about first. This is a truly insane story. And I don't know how it went unnoticed for the last few weeks. Last May... There was this celebrity chimpanzee named Tonka. Loving where this is starting. They starred in uh, George of the Jungle, (gasps) another movie called Buddy. I don't know that movie. I don't know, but George of the Jungle was, you know, deeply imprinted on me. Yeah. For some reason, this story was from Rolling Stone, but um, for some reason they specifically said that this monkey was um, Alan Cummings' (laughs) co-star. Okay. (laughs) I don't know why out of everybody in all of these movies, they were like, Alan Cummings' co-star, Tonka the Chimpanzee, (laughs) died. Has anyone interviewed Alan about this loss? Not in this article, but who knows? We got to reach out. It was just his giant picture of Alan Cummings' face that was this story. (laughs) Um, Anyway, last May 2021, um, Tonka the chimpanzee died. Oh, RIP to a legend. According to his owner, Tonka suffered a stroke and died from heart failure. And the owner had to submit like court documents attesting to this. They gave it to a judge saying like, here's how he died. And also like, we burned his body in a fire pit. (laughs) It was like, he's no longer on this planet. Right. We had a Viking ceremony. But a couple of weeks ago, Tonka was found alive. (gasps) 
twist. This is the true crime documentary that we need. Uh, Why were they protecting Tonka like this? Apparently, Tonka was secretly hidden away for the past year in Missouri, where he reportedly had a 60-inch TV, okay. an iPad device, and had celebrated... I don't know. Well, these facts are so weird. <laughs> had celebrated St. Patrick's Day with some of his owner's close friends. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Tonka is living life I large. I just love how this monkey had been in hiding for a year, an entire year's worth of holidays, <laughs> and for some reason they call out the fact that he celebrated St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> He's Irish, you know? Yeah. He just sounds like a, a great retired dad, you know? Yeah. He's like, this is my man cave. <laughs> I got my big-ass TV, my iPad, and my green beers for St. Patty's yeah, Day. Yeah, you just know he has a neon sign on the oh, wall absolutely. with a woman with giant tits. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, so I guess what happened is that this owner was kind of the subject of PETA's investigations for a while. Uh-oh. I don't know if this was some type of person who was like collecting exotic animals and PETA was like, you're done. And this person was like, well, OK, I guess I'll just fake the death of Tonka and <laughs> keep him in my basement. And now what are you going to do? Yeah. So um, a couple of weeks ago, PETA um, managed to get a search I don't know, working with authorities, this woman's house got searched and she confessed to it and was like, yeah, I faked Tonka's death. It was my kind of last ditch effort to keep Tonka from having to be turned over. And there were six other chimpanzees that the owner was being like ordered, I guess, to surrender to a sanctuary. And she was like, no, 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 no. You can't make me if he's dead. Yeah. When in reality, he's watching football on Sundays. Yeah, even though it does sound Mondays? like... Mondays? When, when does football happen? <laughs> that is a great question that I still do not know the answer to because I always thought it was on Sundays and now all of a sudden we have Monday night football and when I say all of a sudden I mean through the last several decades <laughs> and I don't understand why they can't just pick a fucking day so I can only hear about it one time a week and I don't have to fear for my life when I'm walking through the streets and I see a bunch of bros in, in oversized jerseys and, and oversized chimpanzees yeah. getting excited. PETA apparently said that when Tonka was found, he was being kept in a very small cage that was oh. nailed to the floor in the basement. No. And he was overweight and he wasn't allowed outside and he didn't have any companionship. So it oh. does not sound like he was <laughs> he was not truly living the man cave life. Although, right. No, I mean, it may be a human man cave's life, but that that's is, not good for a chimp. Right. I would agree that this is my lifestyle, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, Lives in a small cage, <laughs> um, reportedly overweight, not allowed outside, and has no companionship. <laughs> oh, it is like looking I in lo- a mirror. Love to relate to tragedy. <laughs> um, oh, she was finally busted because she confessed to it on a phone call, and I guess Peta recovered this phone call or was like tapping her phones or something. Um, Anyway, this woman has absolutely no remorse. She was like, honey, I've been held. This is a direct quote. Honey, I've been held in contempt of court three times. I've paid $50 a day in fines. I've been through the mill. I'm sure there'll be some jail time in this. Do I care? No, I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) It's because it's about that kid. As long as that kid is safe, I don't care about nothing out there. And I'm assuming she's talking about the chimpanzee. Right. Who sounds like maybe they weren't safe in her care. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I also, because I was like, wait, George of the Jungle came out in like 1955. Not true. But, you know, George of the Jungle came out in what feels like a million years ago. And I was like, how is it possible that a chimp is still alive? Chimps probably only live like 10 years. Nope, turns out chimps in captivity live to be like around 30 to 35 years old. So yeah. I don't like thinking about the fact that there are chimpanzees the same age as I am. There's something about that that bothers me. That is incredibly upsetting yeah. to think about. Yeah. And I remember two things about that movie. Being rock hard for... Brendan Brendan Fraser Fraser. as George of the Jungle. And then the fact that all of the monkeys were very obviously like cartoon characters. Yeah, like animatronic like Muppets. Yeah, they were Chuck E. Cheese's. Yeah. And I, yeah, I don't remember a real monkey at any time. No. So Tonka's work, maybe not as impactful as everyone thinks. (laughs) Perhaps not the celebrated actor that (laughs) he is being presented by Rolling Stone magazine. Anyway, next, an eight-year-old boy 
took off in his mother's SUV and drove through an entire North Carolina city with an infant sibling in the back seat. <laughs> wow, it sounds like this kid's a better driver than I am. <laughs> yeah, hello NASCAR. You, you got a little young recruit, am I right? Anyway, police said the boy's mother reported that she handed the boy her keys and asked him to start the vehicle. This is an eight-year-old child. Not to victim blame, but Um, maybe don't do that. Yeah, not to, like, parent shame, but... Mm -hmm. um, yeah, when I was eight years old, I was not trusted with anything. No. I could barely start my remote control vehicle. <laughs> All I wanted was one of those Barbie cars. Yeah. And I was never allowed one. The kind where you are in it? Yeah. Yeah, those are incredible. I feel like they didn't really perfect that technology until a few years after I was a child. Yeah, and now they make them and they're like Ferraris and stuff. And you're like, yeah. oh my God, just going in absolute style. So anyway, yeah, this mom asked her eight-year-old boy to start the car, and not only did he start it, but he drove across town with his one-year-old sibling in the back seat. (laughs) I mean, yeah, brace yourselves for some mom shaming. Um, (laughs) You just had your one-year-old child in the back seat by themselves, and then you gave your keys to an eight-year-old and was like, go go start the car. I don't understand. So the mom called 911 and she was like, oh, no, my kids are missing. Also, my car is gone. Maybe someone stole it. Um, (laughs) And then I guess someone saw a kid, an eight-year-old behind the wheel, just going ham. Um, He drove for nearly two miles towards his house and then left again before authorities stopped him. Oh, my God. Wait. (laughs) So this kid (laughs) drove two miles to their house and was like, I'm not done yet. Also, I'm just impressed with this kid. Like, not only could he drive, but he was able to drive home. He remembered the directions. He's not using Google Maps. Like, I can't drive home without my Google Maps, you know? Yeah, I do remember that as being a kind of, like, defining moment in my childhood of when I could first identify, like, what turns to make to get back to our house. Yeah. And it was purely based on Miles, like... You're like, that bush over there, that kind of looks like boobies. Could not tell you a single street name. No. Direction. Mm -mm. Don't know, you know, which way the sun is setting. No. (laughs) um, Can barely spell. But I do know we turn at the McDonald's. (laughs) The boy's mother said that he had never driven a car and that he had accidentally put it in reverse and then somehow put it into drive when it started moving. I don't. How does she know that? Yeah. How do you also accidentally do both of those things? I just feel like there's too many coincidences here. The boy said that he was scared and drove into the middle of the road to avoid cars, but he knew to stop at traffic lights because he watched his mom do it. Again, this kid is better at his first time behind the wheel than I was when I was 16. Yeah. I, um, yeah, there's something about this is a little fishy. She knows too many details. Uh, this is balloon boy all over again. (laughs) Yeah, I do remember the first time I drove in a real car because we had these simulators in high school. Mm. There was like a driver's ed room and it was basically a big video game and everybody sat behind this little machine. There was just one projected screen and you'd watch this like very old school video (laughs) and like the car would like start approaching like a stop sign and you had to like press the brake at like the perfect amount of feet away from the stop sign in order. It was like a very specific set of things that you had to do to control this vehicle that did not match a real vehicle. No, not at at all. all. Not at all. And it took all of your pressure to push the brake down. And so when I first got into a real car, I thought you had to slam the brake oh, like your God. life was on the line. And my mom, when I tell you, her face was like inches away from the dashboard because I slammed <laughs> on that brake so hard. And she was like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> I was like, I thought you had to. Yeah, no. I mean, my dad taught me how to drive in the high school parking lot. And we like spent several times just in the parking lot. Yeah. And the first time that we went on the road was just from one exit of the parking lot back to the entrance so it's like a stretch of maybe a hundred feet like uh-huh. it's nothing and i cried like a lot well, when yeah. i got onto that street and meanwhile this eight-year-old boy is like let's fucking go <laughs> yeah he's like strap in we're going for a joy ride anyway they're all doing fine <laughs> and finally this story was sent to us by several people it, it has been all over twitter the internet a uh, tiktok for the past um several days yep. it is 
truly the wildest story, but also like just tragic. Yeah, just like very sad. <laughs> so we want to preface this by saying it's a very sad story. We recognize how morbid this is and that ultimately someone did die. Okay, here it is. An elephant in eastern India killed a 70-year-old woman. But that was not enough for this elephant. No, no. This elephant was not happy to just let the dead rest. Because this elephant showed up to the woman it killed's funeral. Because they've got good-ass memories. And then trampled all over her dead body. Oh, my God. It is this elephant. I don't know who hurt this elephant. Clearly, this woman did something to this elephant. Um, Famously, an elephant never forgets. (laughs) Yeah. And this elephant not only killed this woman, but showed up to her funeral and was like, you thought this was the end. It's not. And then just in front of all of the funeral goers, in front of this woman's family and loved ones, desecrated her body. (laughs) I just, like, this elephant's a screenwriter and it's living its own story. Like, like, you can't write that. And I just, I want to interview this elephant. Yeah, this is the mind of a killer. (laughs) (laughs) This is truly, like, truly unhinged elephant behavior. (laughs) And I cannot... I mean, the reason this has gone so viral, yeah, it's just, like, truly insane. Yeah, because it also, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that this elephant was then, like, it's not like the woman died and the next day was the funeral in the same spot where she died and where the elephant was. You know what I mean? Like, the elephant had to seek out. And also, no one, like, sent the elephant an invitation to this funeral. No, this was, like methodical, premeditated, this was first-degree murder. On If this elephant were human, it would be a death sentence. Yeah. Although, here in the U.S., there was a huge court case. I think it was the ACLU who was suing, like, the Bronx Zoo, I think, to release an elephant who they were like, we want, this elephant is being held in captivity and it shouldn't be. And a courthouse was like, an elephant is not a person. So... We can't charge this elephant with murder. This elephant can, in fact, get away with murder. And then desecrating the corpse days later. Yeah, it is just like this is true, like Jason Bourne. This is this elephant is working for someone. There was a hit out against this woman. Either this elephant is some type of Russian agent or this elephant had, yeah, like a blood feud that was could only be settled. Like when it was a baby elephant, this woman like made fun of one of its ears and then it grew up and like held a grudge against her and finally pushed her over the edge. Yeah. That's just one option. I will say that, like, if I were killed by an elephant, Mm -hmm. I would want it to come to my funeral and then throw me around. Right. Like, it's pretty boss. I Yeah. I would say, like, for myself, I would enjoy the theatricality of that. Yeah. Do you think that actually the woman was in on it then? Maybe. Yeah. She was like, here's what's going to happen. I'm out. (laughs) This is actually in her will. (laughs) Here's what I want for my funeral. Right. I want my murderer to come and wreak havoc. Some elephants choose to be painters. Some elephants choose to be cold-blooded killers. <laughs> and that's it for this week's Worst Things First. Next, we're diving deep into how self-care is the worst. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. Deep dive. I'm Bobby Finger. And I'm Lindsay Weber. And I want to tell you about a podcast I think you're going to love. Who Weekly is a podcast about everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. Does celebrity news stress you out? Are there too many people you've literally never heard of? Check out Who Weekly, a podcast hosted by Lindsay Weber and me, Bobby Finger. Each episode goes deep into the biggest Who Liberty stories of the moment. And if you're still confused, we even have a weekly call-in episode where we'll answer the most burning listener queries. Who Weekly airs twice weekly with brand new episodes on Tuesdays and Fridays. Listen and follow Who Weekly on the Odyssey app or wherever else you get your podcasts. I'm Shimon Yai, and I have a new podcast called The Competition. Every year, 50 high school senior girls compete in a massive scholarship competition. I wouldn't say I have an ego problem, but I'm extremely competitive. All of the competitors are used to being the best and the brightest, and they're all vying for a huge cash prize. This will probably be the most intense that you've ever gone through in your life. I remember that feeling because I was one of them. I lost. But now I'm coming back as a judge. 
and also a kind of teen girl anthropologist. Because if you want to understand what it's like to be a young woman in America today, the competition's not a bad place to start. Hopefully no one will die on stage tonight. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery, this is The Competition. Follow The Competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. All right. Well, here's the deal. I'm hungover, as has been established (laughs) multiple times in this episode. I will likely be hungover for the next eight to ten weeks as um, we record on Wednesdays and I will be going to kickball every Tuesday and then drinking afterwards. And that means, yeah, I'm going to be hungover for every Wednesday this summer. So um, am I in a bad mood? Yeah. Do I need some TLC? Absolutely. Am I going to complain about taking care of myself? Instead of actually doing it? (laughs) Yes. Because I am what? Mentally ill. (laughs) The point is, okay, relaxing is hard. It is. Self-care, it takes work. It does. And I know it's like, oh, yo, Matt, you know, there's a war going on. Truly the worst, scariest news every single morning I wake up and I'm so sad. Yeah, like, aren't aren't there more important things in the world to complain about? No. (laughs) Okay? Because the only way I can deal with the fact that there is a war and climate change and monkeypox coming for all of us is the fact that I need self-care. And sometimes self-care is difficult. Also, one of my... um, kickball teammates is a doctor and was like yeah i saw my first monkeypox case today and i was like no nope. wait do you mean you like you were ne- you were with that person it's <laughs> like yeah yeah and i was like cool cool, cool, cool. <laughs> oh, god, okay. oh my god oh great 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 is he kind of the kind of doctor who like wears his own clothes <laughs> to work or the kind that puts on I a mean, coat he was, he was like you know obviously we were all like in hazmat suits, basically. Okay. But, like, with monkeypox, as far as I know, you don't get it from, it's, like, very close contact with uh-huh, people. Uh-huh. But I was still, like, nice. <laughs> to be clear, he would have not been infectious yesterday. Great. But maybe by next <laughs> kickball game. The point is, yeah, sometimes self-care is difficult. So let's get into it. This is... The worst things about self-care. First of all, why the fuck is every self-care activity the cost of, like, an entire display of blood diamonds? Say I it don't with understand. me now. Capitalism. Yay. <laughs> I'm just supposed to relax during a, a nice, luxurious facial or some shit while well, some pseudo-doctor in a Halloween store lab coat rubs creams and oils all over my face and charges me, like, an entire semester of a college tuition just for this one treatment? No! Oh, oh, Matt, but you can just buy a clay mask at the drugstore and you can do it yourself and it'll be cheap. No, because then also... You have to buy all of the tools for it because nowadays, I guess you can't just put a mask on your face. You have to spread it with a brush. I know because I just bought a brush for putting on masks. (laughs) Also, yeah, like one little jar of mud costs like one teacher's salary. Yeah, None of it is cheap, even though it is literal clay from the bottom of a river. Uh, and then it's like, oh, yeah, you, no, why don't you just buy the stuff from the drugstore? That'll work just fine. Okay. And risk developing some flesh-eating bacteria from a <laughs> CVS brand moisturizer? No. Uh, oh, but but Matt, self-care doesn't have to be cost you anything. Why don't you just go for a walk? Hey, go fuck yourself. <laughs> I don't want to go for a walk. Self-care is about spending money. <laughs> and shit is expensive. The point is, yeah, every self-care activity that we as a society have come to call self-care is outrageously expensive, inaccessible, and I don't like it. And by I don't like it, I mean I don't like it, but I want it all. Yeah. I have now been groomed into thinking those are the only ways that I can be happy. Yeah. Oh, the only way I can be happy is if I buy some type of paint roller made out of (laughs) crystals that I put in the freezer overnight and then rub against my temples. Also, sorry, I just cannot get behind the idea of being relaxed while someone, a complete stranger who I'm giving money to, is rubbing my face or any part of my body, to be honest. Not only rubbing, but the type of facials that I have gotten include 
dermaplaning, which is a fancy way of saying she shaves my face with an actual razor. And one time I flinched on accident and she was like, oh, honey, don't do that because I have a blade to your face. Yeah. And I was like, okay, cool. Now I'll just um, be terrified of flinching and all I can think about is flinching and like thinking about every single muscle in my face right now. And I'm just lying there with my like fingers so tight. But that's supposed to be just like a chill time that I spend hundreds (laughs) of dollars for. Yeah, that's, oh, that's relaxing. That's supposed to calm you Mm -hmm. and improve your life. Yeah. Also, I love the woman who does this to my face, but she's also pregnant and on maternity leave and you know what's gotten a lot better since I stopped seeing her? Your skin? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that is the thing. It's like, it's all kind of a lie. It's just kind of like what you believe. Yeah. But that's the thing though is like you see celebrities go from, you know, it's often called the like second season glow up Mm -hmm. where people are like there's a television show and you have new actors in a new show and then that show gets really famous after the first season and then you see them in the second or third season and you're like, wow, everything about you got better. Like your skin got better, your hair got better. And it's because you got rich. Right. And then someone told you what to spend your money on. Yeah. So there is something to it. Yeah. I would just worry not at that level of rich. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm just saying, like, I would like to believe that it's all just, like, hokey pokey right. and none of it is real, but ultimately it is real. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. yeah. That being said, some of these people are like, oh, no, it's just because I lay out during a full moon. And it's like, <laughs> okay, well, um, absolutely not. Um, anyway, yeah, I just cannot get behind the idea of, like, lying on a table and sitting still while some stranger uses my face skin, like, Play-Doh. It no. just is not going to work for me. Next, half of the self-care activities are really just kind of chores that I've put off. Oh, yeah. Like, this isn't self-care. This is just me carrying all of the cereal bowls that have accumulated <laughs> on my nightstand from my bedroom all the way to the kitchen. That is what my self-care is, just so I can feel human again. This is not self-care. This is me just taking a shower for the first time in three days after a depressive spiral left me stewing in my own filth for the entire weekend. This is not self-care. This is me finally taking out the trash from the bathroom garbage can that I have let build up like a mountain of tissue against the wall because I absolutely refuse to empty it until it is a disaster. That is true. I like to think, you know, how tall can I kind of pile the garbage? Right. Until you're it you're actually like a competitive trash piler. Yeah. And it's eco-friendly because yeah. I'm only using one bag and only exerting mm-hmm. the energy of going to the trash chute like once every two months. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's not actually true. My friend Adam tweeted how as an adult, one of the best decisions he made was getting a full size garbage can in his bathroom. There's no reason why you should not have a full size garbage can in your bathroom we have a tiny one yeah but like why did we as a society just decide we're gonna have small little (laughs) cans in our that's such a good point yeah when it's like that is besides the kitchen the biggest place that you are producing trash every day right yeah and the grossest trash arguably yeah the grossest trash that most people just have a lidless garbage can (laughs) in their bathroom The other half of self-care activities are basically just me ignoring all of the responsibilities that I have. Ah. Because that is how I kind of justify being lazy as shit. It's just being like, no, I'm not going to, you know, respond to that email today because actually it's for my mental health. Right. Like, I need the space to take care of myself. Right. And therefore procrastinate on all of the actual things I need to do. I'm blowing past this deadline because that's actually what is best for me. In order to then do the work. Exactly. Yeah. The part of my process, part of allowing myself to be me, part of trusting my brain, part of trusting my body is saying, no, I'm not going to follow the law. Yeah. I'm going to run the red light. Right. I'm going to drink and drive. (laughs) (laughs) Next. um, Actually, I would say most self-care activities that I partake in are just things that are actually going to like ruin my day tomorrow. (laughs) Where it's like, oh, let me just take this luxurious nap throughout the day and then wake up at 8 p.m. not knowing what year it is and then (laughs) not being able to fall asleep later and ultimately uh, guaranteeing that I will be exhausted for the entirety of tomorrow. (laughs) 
<laughs> that is my self-care. Right. <laughs> Most there, I would say there is an incredibly fine line between self-care and just kind of self-destruction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say that that's just toxicity. <laughs> yeah. Like, for example, I think one of my forms of self-care is like getting high, ordering an entire cheesecake, and then spending hundreds of dollars on products that I don't need. Uh-huh. And, um... Yeah, some would say, no, that's not actually self-care. That's, you know, <laughs> toxic behavior. Um, but I, that is what works for me. Right. Works is a strong word. Yeah. I mean, what is your ideal self-care activity? See, and I'm like, is it even that I, I have an ideal self-care activity or I just like don't want any of the other responsibilities that make me feel like I need a self-care day? But I guess my ideal self-care is not being around anyone <laughs> and, yeah. and like embroidering and listening to something. Right. Yeah. You're kind of consciously choosing just to not be anxious about anything and right. not worry about anything. Yeah. Which um, ultimately is impossible. Yeah. I can't do those things because I'm constantly worried about all of the things. Right. So I have to finish all of those things before I even can get to the point of relaxing. Relaxing doesn't make me less anxious. I just do the thing so that I stop being anxious and then I relax. Yeah. I also think, that, like, yeah, a lot of self-care activities are really just deciding, oh, I'm going to, like, stay in tonight instead of going out. And then I'm just going to be anxious about missing out on what I could have done if I'd gone out. Yeah. And I also would say things like doing, like, a face mask. I wouldn't say that it's, like, in the moment that is the time. It's like, no, I'm, I'm doing this because I want my skin to look good because that makes me feel better because I'm vain. You right. know, it's not like... <laughs> It's not like, oh, I'm doing this to like spiritually take care of myself and like yeah. connect with the ground elements that are on my face. It's like, no, I, I want to look pretty um, because so society like is bad. We both kind of understand deep down what is required for a true proper self-care and yeah. we just don't particularly. No, yeah, no, no. <laughs> to be clear, we are engaging in the most vapid, vain, shallow version yeah, the of the marketing, Yeah, the marketing yeah. of it and the absolute appropriation of self-care as well. Yeah, ultimately. Um, we are partaking in capitalist mm -hmm. um, self-care and it it's is... It's actually like pretty radical of us to be taking it down here, you know? Yeah. To be complaining about it here is like, wow. To be saying, we know what you're doing and yes, we're buying into it. <laughs> but no, but, it's not <laughs> making us feel better. Maybe, maybe this deep dive and using this platform to talk about how all of these things are really bad even though we continue to do it also because we want to do it will inspire other people to really rethink their version of self-care appropriation. <laughs> yeah. Also, I mean, I would say, like, true proper self-care is forcing my brain to do things that I have broken its ability to do. Like reading <laughs> or, like, the new version of reading, which is just watching a TV show without looking at my phone. Mm. That requires... <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm a scholar, actually. <laughs> by, by watching this television show without looking at my phone, this is what, like, Aristotle did. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> definitely. <laughs> and also, you should compare yourself to Aristotle. He was a fucking idiot. Okay. <laughs> I was just reading a book about eels, Bragg. Okay. <laughs> so anybody want to fuck? Um, I did read an entire book about eels. It was called The Book of Eels. I highly recommend. It was actually um, very interesting. Um, but I do get fucked up thinking about it because we, like, don't know where eels come from. Do I even want to get into this? No, no. We can do a whole other deal. This, this has definitely inspired. We should do another stoned episode. Yeah. And discuss eels because I can't go there right now, eels. right here. Um, also, let's be real. Um Self-care is mostly just disassociating from reality. <laughs> Self-care is really just about saying, for this half hour, for this hour, I'm going to forget that everything is falling apart. Mm -hmm. I'm going to forget mm -hmm. that, like, the world is ending, all of the tragedy in my own life, all of the trauma of my past. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be here <laughs> now. Be here, you know. Right. For this 30-minute bath, I'm going to act like nothing is wrong. I'm not going to think about the amount of water that I am using. Yeah. Self-care is really just about tricking your brain into forgetting about your actual life. Sounds so healthy and good and definitely what the ancestors wanted. Also, yeah, I do love that there there is a very fine line between self-care and some of the craziest shit you've ever heard in your life. <laughs> 
Some people are out here like suggesting the most toxic behaviors in the name of self-care. People would be like, yeah, do you have a toxic roommate who is constantly telling you to wash the dishes that you've left in the sink for three weeks and are clearly growing molds? Like, you need to evict that bitch, okay? <laughs> do it for your mental health. And it's like, no, you are the problem. <laughs> The, I mean, this is like a problem on the internet, the way that Twitter and like, I feel like it comes from Tumblr a lot and, and TikTok is starting to do this where people have like totally appropriated like therapy talk. Oh, yeah. Um, and use to it to justify. Descri- to justify any behavior oh, yeah. that is like clearly wrong. <laughs> It's like, no, okay, you're a 17-year-old who found a thesaurus. You're not <laughs> a therapist? I mean, this is Gen Z. We need to do an entire deep dive about Gen Z. I will lean into being an elder, okay? <laughs> but yeah, you're the problem. You are the problem, sweetie. Also, self-care-wise, I don't want to light a fucking candle, okay? I feel like I've gone off on candles before. You have. Fuck candles. And you will again. I'll go off on Mr. Yankee, Mr. Um, Mr. Doodle, um, <laughs> Diptyque, whatever, even the fancy candles. I just think there's very few candles that pass my smell test. My very sensitive nose. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm sure it's this is entirely my mom instilling this inside of me because she famously has been like, if the neighbor lights a candle in their house, she'll be like, my throat is closing up. <laughs> and I'm like, that's not, that's not true. I'm so sorry, Deborah, but it's not actually how candles work or your body. But yeah, every time I like want to light a candle and I feel like it's going to be relaxing and it's the combination of like, you know, aromatherapy slash, you know, just the vibe of a candle being lit. Mm -hmm. And it never is relaxing because ultimately I'm like, my senses are being assaulted. And yeah, do they make unscented candles? Sure. But also with those, because like, I bought these really like pretty pink and orange candles and I was like, yeah, I'll definitely light these. But then when you're lighting them, it's like, am I supposed to just like enjoy having these lit because I'm a little nervous about them falling over? And also then they're gone. Like if you light them, they will burn and then you don't have them anymore. Yeah. So it's like, what am I? What is it giving me? You know? Yeah, I mean, that ultimately is just what a candle does. (laughs) (laughs) You are kind of describing the life cycle of a candle. Um, But I think what I get anxious about is, like, what is it? Like, what? where is it going? (laughs) It is just you're telling me this wax is, like, turning into vapor, and then I'm, what, breathing it in? (laughs) I don't understand. I feel like we're going to learn, like, 50 years from now that candles are like cigarettes. (laughs) I mean, granted, I think that, like, candles came before electricity, and we we probably would have known that. But, you know, our reliance on candles is probably a lot less than it used to be. Right. Oh, and, guess and we, what? we lived a lot shorter. Yeah. Wow. And finally, manicures and pedicures are uncomfortable as fuck. Okay? Oh, yeah. I will never be comfortable with some stranger literally scrubbing my feet. Mm-hmm. I, there, I just cannot get over that power dynamic. Yeah, I don't, I don't like, like it. Literally being in a throne above this person mm-hmm. and having them dip my feet into a little bath and then <laughs> massage and scrub and then like clean the dirt from under my toenails. There is just, I will never be comfortable with that. <laughs> um, it's ticklish. And, and then I'm, I have to tell them that I'm ticklish because yeah. I flinch every time that they touch my feet. It's basically torture. Yeah. And I'm not into that. And I don't hear anyone else getting pedicures at the same time as me, like coming with the same baggage right. and having to like warn them about all of these things. And then I'm worried that I'm going to, like, kick them in the face involuntarily. (laughs) I'll have some type of, like, reflexive tick and then accidentally just, like, nail this woman in the face with my (laughs) giant foot. Um, I can always tell that they're absolutely judging my feet. Oh, I'm like, oh, is this the worst foot you've ever seen in your life? I bet it is. Yeah, because it probably is. Also, because I... This is actually really brave of me. Um, I have chronic ingrown toenails on my big toes. And every time I go in, they have to like dig like they're digging for for treasure. I'm making this the least treasure space. And And they are judging my toes. And again, I don't hear the other people in the row, in the like thrones, just having to like give them all this information to be like, let me tell you what's wrong with my toes, what you have to do. Like they're just sitting there getting their pretty little toes painted. And meanwhile, I'm like a witch's foot and they're, you know, 
going to town and it's I feel bad for them. Exactly. For me, since you bravely shared your condition, (laughs) (laughs) mine is like my two big toes. I always have like a callus on them Mm. and they always just. Yeah. I wish they were prettier. Yeah. We all have our baggage. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm always like, oh, yeah, they're going to have to like scrub yeah. They're going to have to use their elbows. And then I feel bad. Also, I'm scared that I'm like accidentally supporting some type of like slavery system. And I don't really love that. Yeah. Um, and like, how do we check in on that? Yeah. Uh, how do we vet? Right. It's hard to tell, like, am I supporting a small business or am I um, literally supporting the slave trade? (laughs) Yeah. Supporting like human trafficking. There's no way of knowing. You just have to cross your fingers and hope for the best. Um, So, yeah. Manicures, pedicures, not my favorite thing in the world. But you know what? Everybody, you do you. Self-care is very personal. And unless you are infringing on my ability to live my life in the best possible way, do whatever the fuck you want. And that's it for this week's Deep Dive. All right, we're almost there. We're almost at the end of the show. But first, our chasers. Chasers are the good stuff that helps all the bad shit go down easier, starting with Do Better White People, where we highlight some anti-racism resources and other actions we can take to make our world a little bit better. This week, I wanted to highlight uh, a suggestion from our producer, Melissa. We highlighted this uh, organization last year. It's called Wash Masks, and they work to provide masks for farm workers. And this year, the organization is trying to tackle kind of a new issue with farmers, which is the fact that farmers often work in very grueling conditions. They get very overheated, um, and they don't often have the supplies that they need in order to do their job without those kind of risks. So this organization is collecting donations. We can put the link in our bio so that you can either donate the items or donate money. But they are requesting items like hydration packs and cooling bands and um, pop-up shade tents. And even if you're able to share the link or if you work at a, a small business or something that can raise awareness for stuff like this. But yeah, this is, um, you know, farm workers work in these very grueling conditions, heat stress, it's preventable, and they face kind of 20 times higher risk of possible health issues or death due to heat exposure. So um, donating can help. So we'll put the link in our bio and you can check that out. Also, if you want to find all of our Do Better White People shout outs from the past, you can uh, go to the link in our Instagram bio. We update it every week. Uh, All right, let's get into the TV we're watching this week. Barry, what you've been watching? So I want to preface this by saying I'm aware that home improvement types of shows are extremely popular. I enjoy watching them from time to time, but I'm not, there's not like one that I watch. It's usually like if it's on and I'm like at Alex's parents' house and they have actual cable and it comes on and I watch it, or if I'm on a plane or something like that. But Trixie Motel came out with a show Mm -hmm. called Trixie Motel where she renovates a motel that she and her partner bought uh-huh. in Palm Springs. I started watching it and I fucking love this show. <laughs> it is so delightful. It's like the perfect amount of like produced, edited, scripted. It's like got some plot line and it's fun. And then also like actual, like I love the designs. It's so like maximalist and so much color. And I like, I really love it. So it's, it's just, it hits all those things and it's Trixie and it's so fun and it's like weekly. So it's basically the motel has like seven rooms and a lobby. And so each episode is a different room that they're designing Uh and they have really fun guest stars on it, like Nicole Byer and Orville Peck. And it's just really fun. And I'm really enjoying it. It's just like light and enjoyable. So that's what I'm watching. What about you? I'm still on my housewives kick. But the other show that I highly recommend if you are partaking in weed is Prehistoric Planet. Ooh. Do you know it? I do. And I have not seen it. Uh, It's Apple TV. Basically, it is Planet Earth. They've just recreated Planet Earth, the show. (laughs) Um, It's like David Attenborough is narrating it. It's shot the same. It's all that. But it's as if it's Planet Earth, but prehistoric. So it's like dinosaurs (laughs) and stuff. Right. So it's not all animated. Like the, the, the dinosaurs obviously are because. No, they filmed. No. (laughs) 
dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of trippy, and maybe it's only because I've watched it like while being stoned, where I'm like, I don't know if I believe it more right. when I'm stoned or less. Because I like I remember the movie Dinosaurs, and to me, it's just kind of like that, but without plot. It is incredibly advanced, like, CGI. Like, it does look very real. But I think part of it is that because... And so did Jurassic Park. <laughs> we did peak. We peaked with... <laughs> I think that looks more real. Because the thing about Planet Earth is, like, if you watch Planet Earth, it's shot in, like, such vivid detail that that almost looks fake. Right. And so when you're watching this, it's like, yeah, this looks super cool, but, like, it also... Yeah, it's computer animated. <laughs> also, at the entire time, I'm like, how could they possibly know this? <laughs> and, like, this has to be made up a little bit. How could they possibly know that, like, this particular dinosaur that lived millions of years ago got bit by, like, 40 mosquitoes a day or something? Like, there's <laughs> no way you would know that. Especially I'm actually, I'm, I'm, because they were only made 5,000 years ago. <laughs> I'm becoming a creationist. <laughs> Uh, I don't remember this in Genesis, okay? <laughs> I don't believe Matthew wrote about this in the Bible. <laughs> also, I was reading about mass extinction events, and that kind oh, of Oh, great. Me. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much. That's cool. Because <laughs> many people believe we are in the midst of the sixth mass extinction event. <laughs> anyway, so Prehistoric Planet, Apple TV, highly enjoying it. Also, I, God save... David Attenborough. I cannot believe that man is still narrating television shows. Has he just sounded like that since he was 17? Or has his career just been in the last 10 years? The prehistoric planet has like a two-minute intro that I thought was just before the first episode. Nope, that's just the intro to every single episode <laughs> that I have to skip every time. But it is David Attenborough standing in like the Natural History Museum addressing the camera. And it does make me a little sad because... He's, he's very He's old. 96. I just looked it up. Oh, my God. He's 96 years yeah, old. Yeah, I mean, he does... He, he does... was born in 1926. <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah, I mean, he was there when the dinosaurs were there. So it does make sense. But, like, I think clearly when he's speaking to camera, they're not able to kind of edit his voice as much. In the narration, they can probably play around with it. Yeah. But, like, that first... It's actually just a deep fake. <laughs> <laughs> he's not actually narrating it, and it's just a robot. Anyway, but I do love that show. Um, what's your non-TV chaser? Ugh, my non-TV chaser is that I once again saw my queen, Phoebe Bridgers. I saw her at Celebrate Brooklyn. Muna, which is another band I really love, opened for her. Oh, really? Yeah, it was so fun and so good. They did Silk Chiffon with Phoebe. It was a great time. It was very different from, I mean, the show itself wasn't that different from when I saw her in L.A., but, like, the vibe was very different. Mm -hmm. Um and it was just a great time, and it made me so happy, uh, and I love her so much and would die for her. Um, and what about you? What's your non-TV chaser? I don't know. I feel like I've been uh, pretty—I've been going to a lot of stuff this week. I feel like we've come out of the pandemic. I mean, we're still—she's still here, um, clearly, <laughs> as someone who just had it <laughs> sitting before me. Yeah. Um, but I feel like I've started to go to way more stuff now, and but also, like, I am two years older than when the pandemic started <laughs> and cannot keep up with my pre-pandemic lifestyle of no. going to multiple things a week and no. having drinks. And, yeah. But I got invited to go to the Taco Bell drag brunch this past weekend. I mean, pure Iconic. corporate ride. <laughs> yeah, I, absolutely. Also, I admittedly fell for it. But I mean, what a great collaboration. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't get paid or anything. It was not a sponsored post. Okay. But they invited me at the last minute um, and it was like, hey, do you want to come? And I was like. Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> Obviously. And if you didn't hear, so yeah, Taco Bell is doing like a series of drag shows at Taco Bell cantinas throughout <laughs> the U.S. And it was just fully in the middle of a Taco Bell. I mean, they did like shut it down. Okay, yeah. It wasn't like there were just like people coming in off the street and like ordering chalupas. At... <laughs> also, it was at 10 in the morning. I mean, it was a was brunch. Aggressive. Yeah, it was a drag brunch. But fully ridiculous. <laughs> Just the visual of watching a drag queen do high kicks in the middle of a Taco Bell cantina while I'm eating a breakfast burrito and drinking a mimosa. <laughs> Truly a highlight. A Beautiful. life highlight. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Not to mention that for some reason, I mean, there were a few like local New York queens who performed and then they had a couple of like 
RuPaul's Drag Race performers. You don't know who these people are, but no. um, Jasmine Masters and Vanjie. Uh-huh. Do those names mean Vanjie. anything to Vanjie you? means something to me. Right. Vanjie became famous for saying, Miss Vanjie. <laughs> <laughs> Miss Vanjie. And then Jasmine Masters, also a meme queen. She's the one who's like, just as a thought, trash. <laughs> she also is the Andiup person, I believe. Oh, yeah. okay. Anyway, they sat next to us. It was very amazing. So, yeah, if you ever have the chance to go to a Taco Bell drag brunch, <laughs> I highly recommend it. But also drag brunch in general yeah. is, yeah, it's a good time. Um, and that's it for this week's episode. Thank you for listening to Unhappy Hour. You can buy our merch at unhappyhourshop.com. As always, you can head to the Odyssey app or wherever you get this podcast. Follow us, rate us, review us, but only if it's nice. I don't want to hear your shit. Unhappy Hour is a production of Pineapple Street Studios. It's produced by Barry Finkel, Melissa Slaughter, Marisa Roscoe, and me, Matt Belisai. Harim Jang, Meredith Rice, and Kurt Courtney help out with our socials. Special thanks to Jenna Weiss-Berman and Max Linsky. Our music is by Hansdale Sue. You can bother Barry at Finkleberry Pie. You can worship me at Matt Bellasine. You can follow Unhappy Hour Pod on Twitter and Unhappy Hour on Instagram for all the latest podcast buzz. You can leave us a voicemail on our rant hotline at 601-600-RANT. That's 601-600-7268. And that's it. That's everything. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Oh, bye-bye. <laughs> I feel like now I'm supposed to do it, but I can't, so I'm not even going to try. Uh-huh.